Got a call from your aunt, about to judge you like a jury. Stay calm, cook on. Don't be caught up in a flurry. Only got 20 bucks in an hour, don't worry. This song will teach you how to cook the curry in a hurry. Today, we're interviewing Seattle Jesus, a.k.a. Josh, a.k.a. Jamel Suleiman, about his experiences dressing as Jesus in Seattle, leading the Seattle Pride Parade, and talking to religious extremists while dressed as Jesus. Check it out. We hope you enjoy it. And today, we think it's better left to Jesus. This episode contains explicit language and may not be suitable for your forefathers. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Good. How are you? Chilling. We are good, and we are the Better Left Podcast. I am Corn. This is... I'm Troy. I am Adam. And we have special guest... Jesus. This is Jesus, a.k.a. real name is Jamil. Jamil Suleiman. Yeah. But, but really also Jesus. Yes. Like sure. the real yeah. Jesus. Yeah, the real one. I am him. Uh, no, he's, he's Seattle Jesus, and so we've got him as a guest on today, and we're going to be talking to him about some of the cool stuff he's been doing. Um, but first, you guys... We had an election. What? We did? What? Yeah, and it's kind of making me go, what the shit? Oh, what the shit? Yes. What the shit? So. <laughs> We're is, so low energy yeah. right now. It's oh, my God. And the reason up. for that is because we just got done doing a three-hour live stream. You put together a politicapade. Yes, it was I did. incredible. It was amazing. It was a lot of fun. It was very exhausting it yes. was honestly one of the most unbelievable things that i've been invited to take part in um i super props to both corn and jay for all of their hard work putting the thing together 100 um, those of you who did not tune in were unable to see the most amazing uh rendition of the better left labs studio that we have been working in it is gorgeous it's been like it's something it's redecorated <laughs> somehow it even got cleaned a little bit yeah that it's really me. not that different than it. We we moved the table from vertical yeah. to horizontal. That's about it. But honestly. it was a, a dramatic <laughs> change of the table. It really was. Yeah, yeah. It, it set the stage. And uh, no, just, so yeah. we uh, a couple of months ago we had a debate watch party, and one of our awesome folks, Jay Zell, came, and we were hanging out afterwards, just talking about like, what do we want to do next? Like, what's next for Better Left? Because we're doing the podcast, but we are a network. And so we want to do more than just the audio stuff. Like, we want to be able to connect with our volunteers and the people from Sarah's campaign and, and the work that they're still doing. Um, so for example, we had Jay Zell and Andrew, they were volunteers on Sarah's campaign. And they also volunteered on Tammy Morales's campaign. Yeah. And so they provided field coverage at Tammy's party, got they us an interview with Tammy. They actually um, were staff. Like, I think that they... I think Andrew was staff. Andrew yeah. got... Yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, back really? in the day, he was just mm -hmm. stomping flowers yeah, and Yeah, he's uh, like 17 years old and just doing the thing. And so yeah. we had we had folks at Sean Scott's party, at Shama's party. Um, we Egan had O'Ryan's party. Egan O'Ryan's yeah. party. Yeah. Um, we had people um, even in other in other counties. at Snohomish County. We had uh, uh, Pierce, Pierce County, County. representative Carson. And then yeah. we closed things out with Corey Archibald from Brand New Congress, which Who, was really cool. Is she the best thing in the world? She's so <sighs> rad because, you know, especially on Tuesday night, we were feeling not the best. I mean, we're, we're an optimistic group, but like seeing the numbers come in, it was like, ooh, this is a little sketchy. But Corey really helped us remember that like, look, it's not about one candidate. This is about building a movement. And so no matter how this turns out, like the work that these campaigns did and the volunteers did, it is so important. And you 
you're now an expert. Like you get to bring that learned experience into 2020 to make sure that more candidates and more progressive issues, uh, you know, get elevated and get the 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 experience and the knowledge that they need to move forward. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, the election. We're still obviously waiting for results. Um, those of you listening from afar may not know this, but in the state of Washington, um, all voting is done mail in, and as such, there's about a three week period wherein uh, we are waiting for votes to be coming in from. Uh, different districts they are coming in through the mail. Some of them are coming from abroad. And so I like that broad right now, <laughs> right now it's really a waiting game. Um, it's been cool to see the difference in uh, the difference that each day has made in vote tallies. No. And that's why this is my, what the shit, because like, I love that we have mail-in voting, but God, like, we get such bad anxiety waiting to see what happens because yeah, on Tuesday night, like Shama was down eight points. Now she's down, I don't know what how many points, but she's only but, down like 700 votes. Yeah, literally. Yeah, it's something. Um, the thing I am heartened by is, you know, we're all in on Shama. We've been very clear about that. Um, this is not fair and balanced <laughs> news. No. This is 100%. We are in it for Shama to win it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, the volunteers and the staff for Shama's campaign are forging on their getting fired up they're doing the thing and that's hard mm. I, I have so much respect for them it's been such a you know with all the harassment that shama's received mm. with all of the the defacing of the signs the letters to her home you know uh, it's it's remarkable that she has stood up to this when for her i feel like i want to crumble you know but uh, and she's doing it for us yeah um there's us so as as was mentioned i just looked there's actually currently a 700 vote difference in between uh shama sawant and her competitor who Oregon we shall not name that that <laughs> random dude um Bologna with sandwich. with 182,000 ballots left to count in king county um we were complaining on on tuesday night that there was an estimated 23 percent voter turnout that number has gone up from 23 to 34.28%. So congratulations to everybody who did show up and did vote. We're proud of uh, that increasing number. Yeah, so we're keeping our fingers crossed for Shama, for Sean. Um, but in your district, uh, yeah. you are in District 2, right? I am District 2. Yeah, and so we whoop, can whoop. say taps for Tammy. Yes, Yay, taps for Tammy. Tammy. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, she is holding her lead strong and so it looks like it's going to be a win for her. So we're really happy about that. Definitely. Yeah. How are you, how are you feeling about having a, um, a new awesome council member represent yeah. you? Uh, Tammy is a friend of mine. She's really awesome. She is in the community. She works in the community. I know her from community work. Um, she was a huge part of our last Josh day, which was a Christmas celebration. My birthday. That's right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And coming up um, again, I think. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Every year. Um, <laughs> and she's, she's just an awesome person who is super genuine and authentic. And I think having her as opposed to who we've had, for example, Bruce Harrell, um, or who, who uh, or, you know, who she was facing. It was frightening. 
honestly. Are we what, talking about Mark or we're Ari? We're talking about Mark. So I'm mad. Because Ari, 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 so Ari, I mean, Ari's <laughs> going to a whole Ari. other level. Right? You know, he was like a carney. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, yeah. he was just like, it's, look at me doing jazz hands with my tiny little hands. Carney yeah. Hoffman? Ari, Ari never had a chance, right? He just was, it was a statement campaign right. of hatred. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that what, but unfortunately, isn't that what we said about the president two years ago? Well, yeah, but he didn't, you know, I don't think Ari has red state like voters right. in the, di- you know, yeah. in the district. Right. So, so one of the, uh, so we've had, um, Tammy on, um, we've awesome. had Ari on and oh, right on. well, the thing about it is Good. Ari was such a, he was such a lightning rod. Mm-hmm. I really just wanted to meet him. I just wanted to you know, sit down and talk to him and primarily wanted to see Jay and Sarah sat down and had a conversation with them. He's not an evil guy. He's bombastic. He's leaning into like being pals with Jason Rance. Hmm. Uh, terrible. Oh, this is the worst. Um, but it, he did his own damage to himself. You know, I mean, he he clearly wasn't serious. And I think we're lucky. But if he had been, I think that there are people out there that would. I mean, they're maybe they're just making a lot of noise. Hmm. But the safe Seattle folks and the that group of people, it is. It's kind of scary. Yeah, it is. It's it's part of reality, right? right? I mean, you're, wherever you're gonna go, you're gonna find some some level of of you know um, resistance against what you what you stand for. So I think, all in all, considering where we are, we're lucky we're not in a, another area. Depending on where we are politically or, or socially exactly. or economically, right? well, even so, a little north or a little south of Seattle, yeah, well, apparently anywhere out of Seattle. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I I can't remember the the city. I'll pull it up, but um, I was just reading how a three percenter just got elected to school board. Disgusting. Yeah. What? So it's it's not a known. Good. Yeah, he is a known white supremacist. Mm. Can I can I give a quick election shout out before uh, before we move on to our next what the yes. shit? Okay, um, oh, we're still what the shitting. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oops. Um, I gotta give <laughs> I gotta give a shout out to um, uh, Aaron Garcia who is uh, going to be on the school board down in um, down in Burien in the Highline School District. Um, he actually worked at for a time at the school where I currently teach, and so he's a so. Unlike many people on many city count on many school boards, um, he actually knows what it's like to be in the classroom, working with students, working as yeah. a teacher. So he's been in the system, and so he's not going to fuck up the system because he actually has been there. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a lot of other wins that we do want to celebrate, but we're going to get more into that next week in our big news breakdown when we can have those final numbers and give all of our tippity taps to Tammy, Tammy. and all the other. Yeah. Yeah. But I do want to say it's interesting about the um, uh, school board stuff. The right wing groups were on the school board so like they early. They, they yeah. started infiltrating that those, you know, yeah. places of leadership so they can influence things like school books and you know, bathroom, yeah. bathroom policies, exactly. and, and what's in the science classrooms I think and all that sort up, of though. shit. Yeah, no, and and so just to say, uh, it was Matt Marshall with uh, the Edenville School District. He is a leader for the three percent Washington group, which is yeah, really terrible. All right, um, and shall we move into the next? What the yeah, shit? Yeah, no, Adam, I know we... that you had a what the shit that we wanted what to talk shit? with Seattle Jesus about. Yeah, so um, our next, our second and next what the shit of the day. Um, 
So way back about 10 months ago, um, an episode of Patriarch with Hassan Minhaj uh, was blocked in Saudi Arabia at the behest of the Saudi government, um, claiming that it's uh, claiming that their anti cybercrime laws were being violated. The only law that really was being violated was the fact that they were being critical of of MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, um, one of the one of the crown princes of Saudi Arabia, who, if you think back about a year, um, may or may not have orchestrated the murder uh, and disappearance of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Swiftly followed by a meeting with Oprah, a meeting with uh, Ellen DeGeneres, a meeting with like all of these people. Like seriously, uh, right. if Bill were here, he would go on <laughs> and on and on. We'll hear about yeah. it later. So anyways, so the what the shit from this week actually is uh, the Netflix CEO, Reed Hastings, who spoke out in defense of pulling the episode that was critical of Saudi Arabia. Uh, direct quote from Reed Hastings at the New York Times Dealbook Conference. He says, we're not in the news business. We're not trying to do truth to power. We're trying to entertain. This <laughs> this after this after the Netflix said in January in response, uh, we strongly support artistic freedom worldwide and only removed this episode in Saudi Arabia after we had received a valid legal request and to comply with local law. So the question is, which which is it? Netflix, are you guys, are you all uh, trying to support artistic freedom or is that your business or is your business, let's just make as much money as possible and uh, censor whoever the crap we want? Yeah. So what happened between now or January now? Like, I mean, the, the biggest things that have happened are, I mean, Saudi Arabia seems to continually end up in the news for more and more mm -hmm. dirty shit happening. Um Hassan Minhaj himself has spoken out on his episodes, on his show, several times, including doing an update about the Saudi Arabia situation and MBS uh, in the following season. He continues to talk about it. And uh, <laughs> my God, like they said that they said that um, uh, this was a truth to power. Again, another quote from Reed Hastings. This was a truth to power moment. Hassan's enormous, enormously funny interesting oh and God. and he's you know one more quite justified critique of mbs but that's just not our core brand so the core brand is entertain and make money at all costs <laughs> like it, it literally is i i do recall there being a very large multi-billion dollar company of late that decided that they were going to pull their support for a kid that won the big prize oh, and yes. then came out in support of uh hong kong and they took the prize money away they took all of that and the backlash was so strong that they at the last at blizzcon we're talking about blizzard uh active mm -hmm. blizzard um they gave it back to him and uh and then encouraged more people to speak their minds politically and i think that the reality is you cannot do this stuff and support a murderer, support somebody who is literally utilizing our own fetish for um, stardom and, and uh, power. Uh, like they, they learn from the best and use that against us um, and then say, oh, no, no, this is just business. We're just, you know, this is just how we do it. It's it's horseshit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also it ends up with a lot of censorship and fracturing of the web. Like we're experiencing, we have a different internet than, than China already does because, you know, we populate or uh, we pop, we've popularized the idea of the great firewall of China. Um, 
there's so much there's so much censorship already going on there. There's censorship going on in Russia. Now we you know, we're home we're home to this company in in the United States. Netflix might have a global reach, but they are an American company and they are now censoring other people's internet in other parts of the world. So are they now in the business of of other uh, countries' censorship, just like yeah. Google used, Google was, and then they decided they'd rather pull out of China than Google continue still to is. support. They, they are they are consistently hiding search uh, uh, results based on uh, many different factors. I'm but so still fucked. Yeah, yep. yeah. If they pull up the history. It's a wrap for me. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. That's all anonymized, sir. And now we're all going to start to get ads for the anonymizer. <laughs> so uh, you you had some very thoughtful hmms. Mm. I, I'm one. What's going mm. through your head, Jesus? Well, um, ref- reference Netflix, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What's how's Netflix doing? They're not doing so well, no, right? Not, we don't think no. we know though, right? So there's these streaming wars mm-hmm. that we know of, yes. right. and this is this is an important factor because before Netflix was so dominant, they had I think the social and even political flexibility to kind of push their weight around. Yeah. But they're but they're I mean, but people do go to Netflix primarily for entertainment for the most yep. part. So if you're losing Disney and Marvel and ABC is doing their own thing and, and Amazon's is, yeah. got their own thing. All of a sudden, Apple. you know, you started a trend, but it's being, it's like, oh yeah, okay, we'll do that as well. So I think Netflix is desperate. They can't really isolate themselves. And, um, you know, he's technically he's right. His yeah. core audience is entertainment. So if I threaten any of that while my ship is already starting to sink here, you know, he yeah. doesn't have the uh, foundation to do it right now. No, and perhaps like because you were saying, well, they're an American com- uh, company. Well, here in America, like we have, yeah, all these different new streaming services coming out, and maybe in Saudi Arabia, like they still have a decent market share. Just like how with uh, the Blizzard stuff, like so much of their business comes from China that they were willing to do whatever the fuck they told them to do. I do think that there was probably with the Blizzard stuff because of where it was happening and because of the audience that they had censors ready. This is a video game? Yeah, so he was playing... Okay. Uh, World of Warcraft. Or I no, it was... Uh, League of Legends, right? League of Legends. No, it wasn't League no? of Legends. Was Overwatch? It? Hearthstone. Heart- it was Hearthstone? Yeah. yeah. And really? he won how much? I thought it was Overwatch. But $80 billion. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, a lot, though. Wow. Yeah. Stupid amount it's of money. It's ridiculous, man. But, uh, but yeah, so, I'm, you know, the Fortnite. thing about that, though, and I come from the, you know, the games side of the internet, uh, and which was shortly unleashed on the political side of the world, um, they like they really do come for it like they come they came out and did all of the things that trolls do blizzard and blizzard was just caught between a rock and a hard place the netflix thing it is interesting because they are a little more desperate i actually would love to i started to type it but i want to see who's investing in netflix and mm-hmm. how many mm-hmm. steps away are the saudis right uh, mm. because they got oh, wow. their money and everything so i you yeah, know and i haven't point. verified that but i'm certain it's true and i'm wearing a tinfoil hat right now yeah. and the earth yeah. is flat <laughs> bird box uh, yes yeah um so you know there's that but then the other thing is um i don't think anyone was fooled like we know that's what the situation is but don't give the host of a show who's speaking who the purpose of that show is to cause that kind of truth to power 
but he sort of patted him on the head. Like, mm -hmm. he did his thing like he's supposed to. And it's really, I, it just seems very patronizing. And he doesn't give a shit. He's saying one, he's saying one thing to one group and then actually just pulling the plug on the other. Yeah. Um, to to wrap this up, I gotta I gotta drop a Hassan Minhaj quote, uh, <laughs> which I I mean I highly respect the guy. He's been he's really funny on everything he's he's been on and representing South Asia. Hell yeah! Whoop, whoop. And this is a perfect segue into you as well because he says he says of all the Netflix originals, the only show that Saudi Arabia thinks violates Muslim values is the one hosted by a Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> Very well played. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we are going to take a quick break and then we are going to talk to Jamil more about the stuff he's been up to. Yeah. 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 yeah let's we're going to bring Jay in. I'm going to swap with Jay Smith and be in the producer chair. Uh, sure. Jay's looking forward to talking to you more about uh, right all your cool stuff. You're drunk with That's power. Cool. Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We'll be back. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Street life You better save yourself Get out of the street life Hey everybody, thanks for joining us on the Better Left Podcast. This is Jay. Uh, I'm going to be sitting down and we're going to have a fun interview today. Uh, we're going to get a chance to talk to Seattle Jesus in the studio today. That's right, Jamil Suleiman. Yeah, and thanks for joining Who us. Who plays and... Seattle Jesus? <laughs> Thank God for being here. Yeah. Thank Dad. That's right. <laughs> AKA like Josh, I yes, believe. That's more more accurate. Okay. Yeah, for me. Good. It feels better. I like nicknames better anyway. Yeah. I think they're, yeah. They're healthy. Yeah. It's it's a little bit less serious. <laughs> and I'm joined today by Adam. Shalom. Our, uh, our token Jew. <laughs> <laughs> I mean we gotta we, If I really am Jesus, yeah. I am also it's Jewish. True. Well we're all we're all brothers here of a that's sort. Right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Actually, this is great because you're Jewish. I'm Muslim. You grew up in a very Christian background. Is that right? That's what everyone tells me. Right. So if we got a bartender around here, so we got cool. a joke going on. Shout out to Abraham. <laughs> yeah, we're all <laughs> sons of Abraham around here. I got grafted in, I guess. Uh, well, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really, really excited to get a chance to talk to you today because cool. uh, you've made a little bit of a splash in the Seattle community. Yeah. A um, bit. So, but I want to get to know a little bit about you, cool. you as a person, right? Um, so let me just ask you this. So we were reading the news as many people are wont to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, I found out that the person that you used to be or are currently, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you grew up Muslim? I was born Muslim. You were? Yeah. How has that impacted born you? Born Muslim. Um, you know, being Muslim American it's 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 a it's your whole experience right so my parents are immigrants they came from tanzania east africa we're of south asian descent and we are shia muslims so um it just you're a minority within a minority in a lot of ways too. oh yeah so i was so isolated um and then i grew up as an only child for the most part my brother was born when i was 16 so um, and we moved around a lot. So you add all those factors in, it was just, um, it, uh, yeah, I, sp I spent a lot of time having to kind of unpack what was going on around me and not having anybody teach me how to navigate it. 
So I had to learn on my own and how to just figure it out. So it's definitely been a huge part of of my journey, you know, of my growth and, and my path. Yeah. Um, you said you moved around a lot. Where yeah. um, whereabouts have you been? I was born in Minneapolis, and I moved to Seattle when I was one. Wow. My parents. So I've been here for most of my life. But when I was about six, we moved to Florida, moved to Orlando. So sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. No, I love Florida, and shout out to to Seminoles. Um, but yeah, I I grew up there for about four years. And came back when I was about ten, back to to the Pacific Northwest. So it's been, yeah, it's it, it, a lot of that moving around, especially in those age around those years, right? Mm-hmm. One to ten, that's usually where you're kind of solidifying yourself and your identity. So I was on the move while having to navigate um, racial tensions and and all of these kinds of things. Yeah, man, that it reminds me a lot of myself because you're talking about being like a minority within a minority, right? Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, the dominant uh, sect of the Islamic faith is Sunni, or not Sunni, yeah, Sunni. Correct. Uh, and I understand there's been a lot of violence between the Sunni and the Shiite groups. And so moving here, you're moving quite literally to another country. You're a minority inside of an already minority group. Mm-hmm. And you're an immigrant on top of that. I'm not an immigrant. You're not. You're, you're first My generation. Parents are immigrant. Yeah. Oh, right. okay. yeah. I but think it's you, called second generation, actually, if you're. I think if, I think it's first generation. Is it, it? That's what I thought. Yeah, but I don't know. Someone told me that you're sec. If you're born, I don't know. Whatever. I think I'm like first and a half generation. Yeah, like that's what I would say actually, because the first first five years of my life, in I was in the house for the most of my life. Yeah, right. right. And and moving around and and wherever I was being, you know, with my parents and all that, and all of these people are immigrants, so I kind of did have one foot in to that immigrant community and and that was my safe spot that was my safe zone was the house you know and um leaving it was the war zone so to speak that's mm-hmm. when you start facing all of the things that just don't exist in your house you know yeah no that makes perfect sense so having grown up as just a conservative evangelical christian from kind of a liberal household inside that movement it was always interesting for me because i never felt like i had that safe space even, and then I think that's the, one of the things that people who straddle kind of those lines, those intersections face, it's like in that community, you're never quite fully that. Mm-hmm. And when you come back into the the main world, you're never quite fully that either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Is that, mm-hmm. Do you feel like you could identify with that? Is that something you experienced? Yeah, I think so. I think everybody can even. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I think, well, it's, it's a spectrum, right? As far mm-hmm. as like, like, and it's all personal really, um, and how you perceive it. So, but yeah, it was, it was the key, a lot of the key moments of my life were based around my identity in this country for sure. Um, and they were mostly harsh, you know, they were not, they were not, you know, you know, wonderful moments in my life. They were, I, they were major moments that really, um, set the tone for how I understood who I was and where I am. But um, they were rough. They were rough for sure. So you have to kind of maturate through a lot of these things. And again, the the big issue is that there's no one there to guide you. Really, your folks are immigrants. They're just trying to keep it cool. Yeah, you know, they got here. They're trying to keep it safe. You can complain all you want. They're saying that it was, as, you know, it was worse back home, right? As far right. as 
getting a job, poverty, and all these kinds of things. You know, they came from that. So, um, and then you have, you know, the the white mainstream narrative, and then you have black culture being basically the guide of that in its own way. So I always say in a lot of ways that I was raised by black culture under white power on stolen land. Huh. And huh. as a person from the subcontinent, South Asia, you know, originally, um, it's like a huge cluster of different identities all at once. And America doesn't right. give a fuck. Right. So right. I can swear on this thing, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're good. Fine. Oh yeah, there was what if the you shit. insist. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I don't want to go to hell. Even though I don't think there's a room for me down there. Your dad your <laughs> yeah. dad'll forgive you. I'm pretty good. Yeah. I got a magic rope. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's super interesting, man. It's mm-hmm. like, um, I find your story fascinating for a lot of different reasons and not the least of which is, so you're Muslim, you, you come from an immigrant family and you decide at some point, you know, it'd be really cool if I dress like Jesus and then went to events and became an <laughs> activist yeah. from that. Maybe you were already an activist before. Yeah, then, but. definitely. Definitely. I was an activist. Um, I don't know if I would, yeah, I was involved in. Uh, community organizing um, and activism since I was 19. Uh, you know what? Actually, you know what? I would say like this. If you're born with the kind of frame like myself in this country, you are an activist the moment you're born. Okay? There's nothing that you can do. You're you're facing obstacles that that are trying to oppress you, and you have to figure it out. And that's essentially what every activist is really trying to do. When we collectivize and, and do things with, with people power, that's when we start to really have effect. But even on a day-to-day level, right, you're, you're having to navigate essentially a social war zone. Um, so I think I've always had a political frame based off of that. I was forced to have it. Uh, so I started doing, when I even found out that I could do activism, I just started it. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. we're at the rally. Let's go. What uh, what sort of stuff did you do sort of when you were younger before Seattle Jesus? Oh, man. So Seattle Jesus came late in the game, for sure. Right. I started as a youth organizer at UW. I, um, so when I, when I went, to, when I started going to UW, because I was raised mostly on the east side, especially when I moved back when I was 10. And the east side is a predominantly white neighborhood. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the reason was my folks wanted me to go to good schools so that I could go to a good college. Mm-hmm. So I got myself into UW based off of that. Um, and when I was at UW, I was surrounded by all these different cultures again. And I was like, oh, this is fucking awesome. So <laughs> I started getting activated there. Um, I got fired from Sears. Yeah. And that led me to join the student senate where I just started to organize with the ethnic cultural center. That's when I found my real identity right there, when I found my strength. So uh, in college, I was co-chair of the minority think tank at UW, and MTT was like the politicized wing of the student body, and so we would we would do things that well, we would do things that everybody's doing nowadays, but nobody mm-hmm. was doing back then that because so the cool. iPod just came out. I don't know if you remember that. That was a big thing. <laughs> I remember. Um, that sounds so, so awesome. Yeah. So we were organizing about you know Afghanistan, Iraq in the early 2000s and we couldn't get 100 people out for real um so i did that then i did student organize i did youth work a lot of youth work i worked mm-hmm. with a lot of youth from all over the city pretty much for the last 15 years 
Mm-hmm. Um, after I graduated, I went to Africa to on study abroad and did a bunch of stuff. Um, try to start a Bruce Lee Peace Garden at UW because Bruce Lee went to <laughs> UW. Um, that's still pending, and UW didn't want to do it, um, which was odd at the time, at least. Became a social worker, worked in the community there, worked with a lot of the orgs that you guys are probably familiar with locally um, in the area. Um, went to Hawaii. Then I studied permaculture, and I started yep. to really, my activism really started to become um, solutions-based. What I realized is that the the, the activist there's there's a there's you know there's different spaces right and i think i think you can end up in a toxic space or a healthy one right um and that's what i was finding with sustainability that's super cool man it's funny you bring up permaculture we just talked about that with another candidate from awesome. Tacoma, yeah uh, Courtney it's, it's incredibly important to me so i'm just the part that i'm so interested to kind of think about it so um somewhere down the line mm. you decide okay i'm gonna don the robe i'm gonna don uh grow my hair long yeah and then yeah, do you want me to tell you how that started? Yeah, I really okay. want to know. So, so there was a place called Black Coffee Co-op, right? This mm-hmm. is um, this was a co-op that started after the Occupy movement kind of was forced to disperse, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the organizers there um, started a, co- a co-op on Capitol Hill when it was actually affordable somehow. And Black Coffee Co-op was open. Everybody It was probably the most op- one of the most open door places in the city. Um, and my friend, Julie C was organizing an event, um, every Sunday called church. It was actually once one Sunday a month. Um, and I was just growing my hair at the time. It's kind of random. And I was releasing a mixtape and she was like, yo, you you know, you should come perform your mixtape release here. And I was like, word. And I had the long hair. And every once in a while, people would be like, you look like Jesus. You know, <laughs> you look like you look like you're like brown and you got long hair and a beard. You look like Jesus, you know. And I was okay. like, oh, that's right. funny. And I was like, you know what? I'm putting out this mixtape. Why not? Matter of fact, that's the second time me and Speck actually hung out. Yeah. Um, and that's when I was like, oh, he produces. We should maybe do something later on. We did Curry and Hurry together. Um, so good, by the way. Oh my yeah. god! Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We yeah. listened to that earlier it's tonight before you got in the room. Wait, was the was the music? Sorry, side note. Was yeah. the music video for that filmed at the Rainier Safeway? It was. Okay, I knew it looked. You know familiar. it. That's right, man. Shout out to my man Jose in the background. He was really awesome. That dude like let us use the cart and all that. It was like <laughs> midnight. We had to like gorilla film this in the middle. It was hilarious. I love it. Um, yeah. So so I performed and I dressed up like Jesus. I made my costume. That was the first one I had. The first Josh tomb, I should say. Mm-hmm. And, Naturally. And people were like, "What the fuck? This is this is hilarious," you know. And I was like, already again, already politically inclined yeah. and activated mm-hmm. in the community and organizing and doing all this work. And so. Um, what started happening is um, I, I actually let it go for about a year. I didn't really care. I shaved my head. I don't really care. Then I grew out again, and there was a lot of political activity going on in the city around this time. And a couple years after the whole mixtape thing, Nikita was yeah. uh, speaking at the at the city council, and she was like, this is for what it's for. And I was like, you know, it would be hella funny. <laughs> So I've been doing the Jesus at the city council thing on and off for a couple of years now. Okay. Um, wow. But the Green New Deal one, the recent one, really like spread and, and got a lot of attention. I love it because, you know, having grown up in the church, you get told a lot about this is what Jesus represents. This mm-hmm, is what mm-hmm, he represents. Mm-hmm. And it Let's always... get into the Jesus right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And like they... Hallelujah. 
(laughs) (laughs) But it always boils down to like, you know, don't have premarital sex. Don't be gay. Right. Don't like do drugs. And I don't know, go have 2.5 kids, a picket fence and be a good producer for whatever Mm -hmm, company mm -hmm, you're supposed mm -hmm. to go work for. Right. And that seems to be what it all gets reduced down to. But Mm -hmm. um, the statement of showing up dressed as Jesus at the city council, I think is really nice. Um, I'm not so sure they get it. But I do. I think they do. You think so? Oh yeah, really? Yeah, I think so. You know, the the thing about the Jesus thing is, um, I don't know. Some, one of you guys were saying before we walked in, like it was it's a genuine expression, yeah. it's authentic or whatever, right? And I think that's because of my background, right? So I know, look, Jesus is it, like to me as a Muslim American, Jesus. Jesus Christ, what I've been raised to believe, is like some mythical figure, basically. He floats around, right. um, saving everybody and turning water into wine and doing him. He's awesome. He's everybody's friend. And then he flies off. And, you know, if you need him, just call him. You know, he's like, he's like you know, a, a, a Marvel character or, or something. And who, who makes uh, rabbits lay eggs somehow. Right. Yeah. right. yeah. Or like the depiction of Jesus in South Park, right? Because that's exactly what he does. He just comes every now and then and sometimes goes on television to announce things to citizens of South Park. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, someone said that on the comment with the Green New Deal. They were like, this is South Park in real life. (laughs) I guess it was, right? Well, South Park's just a few miles away That's right. Shout out. Shout out to the West. (laughs) I think it's really funny, though, because so for me, like my political activism is Mm -hmm. motivated by my faith Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I take it seriously when Jesus says, hey, the most important thing is actually care for the sick, the widow, the orphan, the homeless, and the hungry. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that, you're not actually following him. And this is, these are his own words, right? I, right. I'm paraphrasing, okay. But it's really interesting to me. So you say you think you they get it, though. Yeah. What makes you think so, that? So, I, like I said, I've been involved for a, a long time, right, mm-hmm. up to this point. So I'm, I know the council members. They know me. I know a lot of the, you know, the org members right. and the cops. and I, They all know me. We all know each other. It's, it's a thing, you know. Um, and... The deal with with kind of dressing like when I dress up like that, I'm not Jamil Suleiman, okay? I'm right. not youth worker, you know, who's politically framed in this way by these people about this these kind of issues, right? I'm a guy playing Jesus, and I also am a performer. I'm a hip hop artist, yeah, and, mm-hmm. and you know, and do all that kind of stuff as well. So for me to 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 don it they're not interacting with me anymore. So I can do whatever I want. And because I do have the background I have and my kind of my frame on, on the world has matured. Right. So I come like the idea is I, what would Jesus actually say? What would he actually do? So one thing is that it it forced me to learn about Jesus because people would come out of nowhere and be like, you know, you were a Palestinian activist and all these kind of things and and throw. So I had to read about him. I read um, Reza Aslan's Zealot. Oh, yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. That's if if you really want to know what what Christ was about. Yeshua ben Yosef, the, the, the Jewish radical who fought oppression under the Roman occupation of his of his homeland. Right. That's that's who you're talking about. So when you read that story and then you add the comedy and you add the satire and then you you add all the 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 personal experiences and the current situation that's going on right now. It's a perfect storm for me to just completely fuck with their head. Right. And I walk up and the same council members who would not see me at all, would not look at me at all, um are forced because of the performative 
display of this to listen and then I hit them with with subtle little one-liners that I know hits them right in the heart but I'm not punching through like I used to have to I just have to simply say it and they all laugh the thing is that it the armor comes off they all laugh cops treat me different it's fucking weird man <laughs> like you know I'm used to like seeing the cops and running right right now when I'm dressed up like Jesus they're trying to take a picture the dude is the selfie king. I mean, he gets way more press than I could ever get. <laughs> um, it's ridiculous. Matter of fact, it's kind of ridiculous. So right, I think right. I think there there's just this cultural zeitgeist around it and the historical precedents around it and the time that we're in now that makes it kind of perfect, you know? Yeah. So you said, you mentioned um, Reza Aslan's book. Mm. Um, I think you also mentioned somewhere that you read uh, uh, Lamb. Uh, I'm reading Lamb. You're reading Lamb. Okay. Yeah. Um, Lamb is funny. It's really funny. And so I think that's important because through my own maturation, mm-hmm. um, you know, I went from g- becoming more politically motivated in my teens and, and early 20s to becoming more spiritually motivated in my mid 20s and, you know, 30s now that I'm in my 30s. And, uh, you know, my kind of involvement through that has led me to understand what's really important. I like really Jesus's teachings. Like, what are they really, right. you know, to love people, to truly unconditionally love your enemy, because that is a reflection of yourself in some capacity. Right. And to understand that we're not going forward until we all go forward and we're not all going to go forward until we're all seeing each other equally. Yeah. Um, that's a massive thing. You come with that energy and you slip a joke under that, they, there's nothing they can really do. Yeah. You know, they have to listen to it. Um, well, I mean, one thing that I was, that I've been thinking about a lot, um, we had our episode Better Left to Church uh, mm-hmm. about six months ago where yes. we talked about a lot of our own um, religious upbringings and how that's um, affected our politics. Yeah. Um, also, I guess like you in my, in my mid-20s and now late 20s and late late 20s mm-hmm. um i've also found myself months getting, away yes i i can i can taste 30 coming yeah. um it's not that bad no, i'll tell you not. really okay. yeah everyone told me when you turn 30 your body falls apart how old are you i'm 33 okay so 35 though yeah yeah well, it's I'm when it falls apart you. that's the day it's gonna hit you i mean I, <laughs> you you already know like my body's already falling apart two screws jesus in was shoulder. smart to dip around the age that he did <laughs> It was like, ah, I don't want to get old. Um, well, I mean, like I've also I've also found myself getting a little more spiritually both motivated and educated in my sure. in yeah, my yeah. old age. Mm-hmm. Um have you found how have you found your your um your Jesusness mm-hmm. uh to affect your own spirituality? Oh my god. Or my dad, I should say, really. Um <clears throat> a big, big evolvement kind of you know happened through this whole process um i started doing it when that album came out that yeah that, that mixtape came out that was 2014 i think um and again i dropped and i picked it up again and between that i did a lot of of work just organizing work and i was an after school teacher for refugee women's alliance for about two years and that was a huge thing for me I didn't do Jesus during those two years. I was just working with youth. Right. But um, some of the most important work I've ever done was in that community in the Vistas, in Rainier Vista. Um, I love those kids. And I'm seeing them grow up. After that, I was able to kind of don it. What happened is I went on tour um, 
with a few of my friends called the Graffiti Village Tour. And the whole concept was we were going to travel the west coast of America to meet with um, folks on the res, indigenous leaders, um, youth leaders, hip-hop artists in the city. We were going to camp in the parks. And we were four men of color on the road, um, young, and just on this tour, trying to really build a, a vision of sustainability, mm-hmm. the Graffiti Village. And then when I came back, that's when the Jesus stuff started happening. So I was coming with all of this kind of, I was coming with a plan. Right. Right. I wasn't just playing this role to, to, to mess with people. I knew, I personally have my own vision mm-hmm. and my understanding and, and spiritual kind of growth to kind of answer your question mm. has evolved through the Jesus thing because I've, I'm able to see everybody for who they are. When you dress up like Jesus, people respond to you as when it's, everybody's introduced to Jesus as a child. Mm. So what I've noticed is that, and just like Jesus said, people basically become a kid again. So they start cracking a smile. They start laughing. And I'm talking about everybody, police officers, sheriffs, right? And I was, I was working with people on the left and supporting those causes, but I could walk around and get love from everybody. The, the right wing guy, the, the da, 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 da. And so what I realized, I was like, wait a minute, this little role is teaching me that what I saw before maybe wasn't what was actually going on. Um, and I was getting a lot of positive responses from all sorts of people. Like, again, like I said, the cops would hate me before, right? Or they would chase me in the alleyway. Right. Now it's, it's um, let me take a picture with Jesus and this is funny and, you know, whatever. So I was able to, to engage with people on such a higher level mm-hmm. um, playing this part that it changed how I saw everybody else. Because I was like, oh, wait a minute, maybe the whole love your enemy thing is real. If you love the enemy, the enemy becomes somebody different. Right. Because your frame is actually the thing that affects how the interaction works out, you know? I think it's really interesting. Um, A while back, we were talking about Joe Rogan's interview with Cornell West. and That was brilliant. Oh, it was an excellent interview. If you haven't listened to it, go do that. Uh, One of the things I thought was- I'll be back. I'm going now. (laughs) Right. One of the things I thought was so interesting was that Cornell West referred to Donald Trump as Brother Trump. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it's- I, I love that, e- that about Cornell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's for that exact reason, Absolutely. though, right? It has nothing to do with whether or not he esteems Donald Trump as his brother. It's because he does it because he wants to recognize the humanity mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's the most critical part about it. And it's like, mm. you know, there's this interesting passage with Jesus where he uh, effectively calls a Samaritan woman a dog. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys remember this at all. Oh man, no. I forgot that part. Yeah, not, not familiar. I with was the New drinking Testament. wine at the time. <laughs> sure. And I was drunk. It's difficult. For <laughs> sorry th- about that. I'm so sorry <laughs> about well, the dog thing. <laughs> uh, I don't think you should be because there was a really good book about you written called "The Humor of Christ" by a guy named Elton Trueblood, mm. and he talks about this one in particular because that scene is hard. Because if you are a conservative evangelical Christian, mm-hmm. you want to treat that as um, Jesus was literally calling her a dog, mm-hmm. but that's problematic mm-hmm. because why would Jesus do that to somebody? What did I right. say again? What you, did I do? Uh, she asked to be healed, uh-huh. and you said that why should she provide effectively? Like why should a dog get scraps from the table? And Ouch. she responded by saying, "Well, whoops, yeah, why feed dogs, right?" And uh. At the time, I don't know if you remember this, but mm, it's been it minute. was common to call Samaritans dogs, and that was the joke that was being made there. 
And then what happens is she says, well, even dogs eat from the scraps from the master's table. Mm -hmm. To which Jesus replies, good, effectively, you replied, I'm sorry. And then you healed her. Oh, word. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I always come through in the end, don't I? Right. But the reason, the reason that's important though, is just like Elton Trueblood thought you were making a joke there. Humor is important. Human is hu- humor is a spiritual tool, in fact, I think. And that's what I, another thing I've learned with the Jesus thing because I, I, I it's funny, right? Yeah, I, I do right. it in a funny way. I do it in a, in a comedic way. But I slip in the important messages right. in there because, you know, and, and part of my spiritual evolution or just kind of awakening is is really learning kind of just to just shout out what Cornell was saying about calling brother Trump brother Trump, right? Right. You know, when you kind of when you kind of evolve past the obsession with the materialism of the world and are are going deeper into meditation. I did Vipassana meditation starting yeah. when I was about 24. That's mm-hmm. that was a huge transformation for me because what I started to 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 realize and what I currently believe is that this is all this is all one being occurring and all of us are an expression of that one being and when we really understand that on a deeper level that i'm an expression of that one being you're an expression of that one being but in order to experience that we can't know that but we're learning it through life and the quote-unquote enlightened people got it and so it's it's not if i'm every being if every being is me what do i need anything for and if every being is me how would i treat them then truly Right. Um, and that's that's an evolved way of approaching any challenge in life, uh, especially the ones that we're facing now. So, so that's a high vibration. Then you add humor on top. You're able to allow people to kind of engage with that, honestly, you know, and not be intimidated by it. Well, going going along with that, that actually goes straight into my next question. Mm-hmm. Um, Hit me. All right. Uh, where's my baseball bat? Do it. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> as, long as, it's not, as long as it's not a Red Sox bat. Oh, oh I mean, we would, we would we would miss this year. <laughs> bad. Yeah. Um, I'm from Seattle. I know. It hurt. It hurts so bad. Uh, but uh, back to being nice to one another. Right. Right. Uh, right. See that? Yeah. Sin it again. It's, it's that. It's that dang humor with that Jesus. Uh, right. But you you're able to challenge people's viewpoints and and. You said that you that you could do it in a way that you couldn't as a I guess you could say your your average non uh, non son of God brown man sure wandering around right somewhere. right um, <laughs> how how do you find it like how do you find um, those those challenging conversations with folks um, where you're really sort of challenging their viewpoints and I wouldn't mm. I wouldn't say like at city council talking about the green New Deal but Approaching people one on one or in small groups, you could say ministering to the people. Do you mean as yeah. Jesus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as, as Jesus. Mm-hmm. So real quick before you answer that, and we can ground this in examples, right? So mm-hmm. you went to Pride and you allegedly talked to some conservatives. At Pride? Oh, right. So this is what's funny about the Pride thing. Um, for whatever reason, whenever I dress up like Jesus, it's an instant. It's in the newspaper or something. It literally, I walk out of my house. Um, and the stranger randomly, a dude from the stranger will be there, clip a picture and there's a, there's a slog. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's insane. How do they know where you live? I don't know, man. It's just, it's a weird thing. It really is. It's again, it's not, it's, 
it's very very unique experience does your does your halo have a gps chip in it um no i'm pretty sure i'm off bluetooth i don't think that's working for me i'm not into the frequencies the radio frequencies but the 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 it's an odd odd type of attention that it gets um so when but i know what effect it has so when when i heard about pride i was like okay we're gonna go down um i'll bring a cameraman because this is just funny Mm. and i'll and i know those bible thumpers are gonna be there so my only job really is is to whenever they show up is to kind of make fun of them a little bit um lightly in humor and in a loving in in a loving way of course um and 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 i had a sign that said i didn't say that (laughs) um, <laughs> because I knew they were going to say I said some shit I didn't say right? And with a big sign and I had my little sign but I looked like Jesus so so I showed up to the Pride um, March and it was packed I don't know if you guys were there no, but it was it like 60,000 people or something crazy yeah. I was not expecting that Damn. and I <laughs> I'm like we're you know we're pushed to the sidewalk we're coming in I'm like I don't know what's even going on I, you know there's no way I'm going to get to any buddy with a sign anywhere i can't even move right um and i find myself at the at the the march hadn't started yet and i find myself right at the head of the march where they started to gather um and a friend of mine deo he's a native cat and he told me to join their float with them um if if i if i was able to see him i was like where i was trying to find him and all of a sudden someone in the parade saw me and they're like okay go in the front (laughs) So I ended up yeah. fucking leading this thing for half of the time, at least. It was a bizarre experience. Like they had me kind of like a mascot. I mean, there's floats behind me. The mayor and right. everyone's behind me. I'm by myself with the sign that said I didn't say that, <laughs> and I'm walking through the march, and there's thousands of people, and they're just loving it. Yeah, I would point wow. to the and they would scream like Jesus, because yeah, they knew why I was doing what I was doing. It was it was like a statement, right? Um, and then while I was walking through, every once in a while, they would be there mm. on the side, and everyone would just start pointing at them to me, and they're like, "They're here, they're here." So I'd so I'd pull up on them, and I'd have my sign, and I'd like, "Hey guys, what are you doing to my brand here?" You know, I didn't say that. I, I said, "Love each other, everybody." You know, mm. and I had these little like light-hearted one-liners, and I didn't know how they were going to respond, but the response is always pretty much the same with these guys when I dress up like this guy. And it's not just how I dress up; it's how I approach them too. They leave. Yeah, they instantly just leave. It's like a repellent, and and wow. you know people cheer and then they go away. They're not mad at me. They're not trying to lecture me or any of that. They, like I see them trying to lecture and speak to other. people. They don't even try with me when I'm dressed up like Jesus, because I know first of all I know the book. I right, wrote, I wrote the book. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I think well, you book, are the word, right? I, right. I, thought, I thought the book was written about I'm, I'm you. I'm the word. Yeah, yeah. It's a, you know. Yeah. Um, I had a little influence in the back end, but you know, so it, but so there's nothing really they can say to me, and they don't know how to respond, so they immediately leave. And you know, matter right. of fact, they would leave to the another part of the rally, and then I'd show up again, and then I'd do it again, and they'd leave again, and it was just this incredible experience where I was like, I'm not doing anything violent, I'm not saying anything mean or bitter, mm. I'm doing. I'm just cracking a joke in a costume and the same people who one would anticipate some interaction with that could be aggressive or hostile or even violent ends up being just dissipating completely. And I think there's something, you know, powerful about that. I think so too. And it's really funny to me because that's been my experience in the past too. It's 
whenever you, whenever I have gone to different church circles, there used to be this guy on our college campus named uh, Brother Dean. And he actually made headlines because he got arrested for public disturbance after he was yelling at sorority girls on our university boulevard that they deserved to be raped. What the fuck? Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, oh, you. And he was part of a larger group that was doing this kind of activity where they believed in shock, right? They were like, Mm -hmm. if we just, we call them out for repentance the way John the Baptist did, that Mm -hmm. we shock them, sorry, your cousin, uh, Mm -hmm. that we shock them into a place wherein- That was my cousin? Yeah, yeah, you don't remember that? Oh, word, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I knew it, I had a feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His mom and your mom. Right, back then, everybody kind of, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, everyone's yeah. related yeah, somehow. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, children of God. Uh, yeah. That was their whole thing. But it was funny to me because the what these people did was they created opportunities to actually show what that message was about. Not because of what they were saying, but because of the people who were surrounding them to try to silence the hate. Mm. And that's always seems to be the case when people who genuinely care to show up to silence the hate, the people who are hating leave. Yeah. They go. It's same with uh, same on my college campus. We had the lovely Westboro Baptist Church at oh, one yeah. point. Oh yeah, Fred Phelps. Yeah, and they they actually stopped by. Believe it or not, uh, the Boston University Hillel. Naturally, <laughs> so right. they really got to hang out with my folks for a little while. And um, the the anti Westboro Baptist Church crowd was enormous. And you know, here right. are these like three or four folks from Kansas who are just trying to trying to rile up a big group. Um, I mean, they did a good job, but the, the love crowd was so much bigger than the hate crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what, that's it. But it's amazing to see what a, what a crowd of one can do to these folks. Um, well, it's, 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 it's like, I'm not one, right? right? right. I represent billions of followers technically and right. thousands of years. This is the most famous person of all time. Um, you. Yeah. Me. So, w- which is interesting. Again, his, his press is crazy. So. I get pushed to the front of the thing, and it's all over the place. It gets picked as one of the pictures for uh, AP, right? Yeah. So it's, I'm like, this is national. This is crazy. This is a picture of me in national news. Right. And it doesn't cite my name. It just says, a man dressed as Jesus, which I really want to put on a business card. <laughs> and it says, a man dressed like Jesus, and, and I'm smiling with my sign, and the rainbows are in the back. It's, it's, it's a great picture. Um, and even again with the climate thing, that picture went to the Guardian. It became one of the pictures of the day for the Guardian. Right. I'm like, it's That's international amazing. news. I'm like, this is fucking insane. Right. Um, and it's me, you know, with a sign saying, "What would I do?" Right. You know, at the climate strike. Um, and again, I think I'm 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 not there to get attention. Right. That's the thing that I'm trying to tr- that probably m- allows the attention to come. I'm not there craving attention. You know, I know what that's like. I'm a rapper. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I'm every rapper, or artist or performing artist is trying to, you know, get some support. Right. Whether it be fans or followers or whatever. But when I'm doing that, it's kind of a deeper purpose. And right. that's when all of a sudden he's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 kind of beautifully ironic that it's never my name like this guy playing this, which I think is kind of perfect to some extent, because um, it allows that character to be there. It is. There he is. I found a seen picture. A, seen a picture of him I right found now. A picture yeah. of Jamil on the Philadelphia Inquirer. There he is. He looks almost as beautiful in this photo as he does here in our studio today. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a little bit wrapped up. It's cold. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't that cold in Palestine in uh, the year zero. 
Still, still not that cold there. Right. Although, although my grandmother keeps telling me, she's she's complaining that it's that it's so cold. Climate it's change. so cold. There you go. There's your climate it's change. It's 25 degrees Celsius. Right. That's uh, about 70. 70. <laughs> yeah. It's so cold. Yeah. So, in all of your time now mm-hmm. uh, being Jesus, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what do you think is like the most impactful thing? I that love you've that. Seen? I knew you were gonna ask yeah. me that question. You know, I'm I'll, sorry. I'm no, sorry for being so predictable. That's great because I knew you, you exactly, would have known anyway. I knew what, exactly what I was gonna say. It's not the press stuff. It's not. Um, I, I also when City Arts was around. Um, I wrote and I wrote, you know, you have those vision boards. And I said, as an artist, I want to, by the end of the year, I want to be on city arts. Right. Yeah. And, um, as an artist, right. And it was the Jesus thing that city arts reached me out to. And they're like, we want you to write the bad back page essay. And I was like, wait a minute. I went from going from somebody who just wanted to be talked about in an article to writing the back page essay at the city arts. That's big. And it was about the Jesus experience. It wasn't like, so you asked me what's the most profound. It's not that. It's not even that. It's not the new stuff or even um, some of the powerful stuff like at the climate strike, my man Bible uh, sign was there again. And right. this was probably the most epic moment mm-hmm. um, where he was on the hill in Cal Anderson before the march started and there's about 200 youth, mostly youth of color, um, and he's like, you know, hating pretty much on his bullhorn. Oh, I heard and, about this. And story. they're taunting and they're taunting each other and, and, you know, the youth are trying to taunt him and he's just trying to, you know, speak spit verses and i walk up the hill and the whole crowd goes nuts all of the kids go nuts and they're like jesus jesus and they and i walk up and i go up to the guy i'm like dude again you know i mean come on man like i (laughs) i forgive you again but you know like this really has got to stop dude like i don't want to take it to court for that you know and and i'm and making all these jokes and all of a sudden the kids started saying let him speak let him speak now you're talking about crowd of kids versus just a couple people right so he, this is what's funny. He was forced to give me the mic on the bullhorn. On, All right. He's holding the bullhorn, and I'm talking in the bullhorn about <laughs> how he's wrong, <laughs> and how Jesus, if he was here today, would follow the youth to to climate strike. You know, and it was a beautiful moment. Even that is not the one for me. Okay. The the um. one for me was when we organized Josh Day. Okay. It's when okay. we and Josh Day was basically, you know, I throw, I make the joke about Josh being Joshua, Yeshua, and, and all of that. So I was like, let's rebrand Christmas. You know, it's my birthday. I do what I want to. Of course. So we'll call it Josh Day, and I organized an event um, with a bunch of my artist friends and a bunch of community in that Mount Baker artist lofts. Much love to them. They do so much work, and we were like, let's do a feed for the whole community. This is open to the whole community. Mm-hmm folks who don't have a house, um, folks who are living in tents, living in shelters, folks who are just living on the street. We wanted to open it up to everybody. So for two or three months, we met once a month, the group of us, we, in all parts of the community, kind of were represented, and we got Josh boxes, which were basically donation boxes. We put them in coffee shops around. Shout out to the station for always being a support on Beacon Hill. Love them. Um, And... You know, we'd get coats and shoes and socks, and then we set up this big party in the community room with music for six or seven hours, with food from all over the city. Tarek Abdullah, um, you know, Cooker T, helped with the Feed the People movement, um, and it was just open to everybody. And the way people connected, the people who I know in my building don't get along, got along that day. Um, 
everybody, everything was clean. Everything was perfect. The fear was like, what if someone starts shooting up in the bathroom or da 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 da? And and none of that happened. Everybody came, enjoyed something, got food, got fed, got loved. And more than anything, what I realized is that it wasn't really them that we were serving. It was us. We were giving ourselves the opportunity to give. That's the gift right there. You see what I'm trying to say? Yeah. The, the, the gift to give is even bigger than what you get. So with a bunch of folks who are so you know not used to, we walk past these folks, right? To bring them in and, and, and to say, it's not a us and it's, it's, it's we're all one. Um, and at the end, there was one woman who came in very early um, and she sat in the corner, did not say a word. And was yeah. just there and was kind of like catatonic and just, you know, we try to ask her, does she want food? And da, 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 do you want this or that? She would not move. Um, and by the end of the night, and we don't even know what her name was. I didn't even figure out her name. By the end of the night, we were wrapping up the party. Everyone's leaving. All the food's gone. Everybody got a plate, shoes, socks, and everything. People were giving each other rides home. You know, people, it was just the most beautiful energy. It was a white Christmas even. She got up and she ran up to me and she just hugged me and started crying. Wow. And That's that heavy. was the moment when I was like, okay, now I get what this is really about. You know, it's it's way bigger than, you know, um, coming through with the one-liners about the Green New Deal mm. or, you know, telling Bible guy, what's up with, what are you doing to my brand? Or even getting in these, you know, pub, you know, newspapers and articles and being asked to be on podcasts or any of that it's it's it was that kind of stuff because that's what he was really about Mm -hmm. he was not flipping tables to be on twitter you know so to me like when you actually don that avatar so to speak and you kind of almost attract that essence Mm -hmm. and again you add all the experiences of who i am and what i've lived and everything else and the work i've done and all of that that was it. That was, and, and there's nothing that can top that because what I realize is that that can be every moment if I want it to be. You know, you know. It reminds me of a story from my own life where I was in middle school, and um, one of the things that we used to do is we used to go work with the homeless, and we used to we were doing some like church activity though, it was something stupid, and we were at a I think McDonald's, and this homeless lady comes up to me and starts asking me for money for food, and I must have only been eleven or twelve at the time, and. I wanted to help her, right? I'm a kid. I'm like, you know what? She's needy. She needs something. So I go up to my, the leader of that group that I was with and I said, hey, is there anything we can do with him uh, for her? And he says, he gets mad at me. He actually kind of like barks at me. He's like, I'm busy right now. Can't you see this? And I go back to her and I say, I'm really sorry. Uh, He's busy. He can't help out. And I'm a kid. I don't have any money. Later that night, the guy who was a leader, uh, he comes up to me and he says, you know, I'm really sorry that I barked at you about that. Mm-hmm. And I, you were doing the thing that I should have cared about mm-hmm. in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I think this is what is happening though, right? Is when people actually get this chance to see this stuff in front of them and get a chance to actually experience that, they feel, for lack of a better word, convicted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's right, I could be Finally better. Finally doing my job. <laughs> <laughs> I could be better and I should be better, but I'm not. And you know, this is the one thing that I hope for as we move forward into kind of like the political world is that people will actually vote according to their religion. 
You and, know what's but, interesting yeah, is when real religion. Yeah. When I was doing the organizing for that event, it was all grassroots and yeah. stuff. Okay. And I used Facebook to or do a lot of organizing. And I said, Hey, you know, we're we're doing some fundraising and stuff like that. This is what's interesting. People knew what I was doing. They were like, Oh, you're gonna you're gonna feed the community um on a Christmas day. I was getting anonymous donations from people who people who were not anonymous, but they said, Here's some money, don't tell anybody. These are Trump voters. These are people who are no conservatives. Right. Wow. Um, I would get people. For, basically, this is what's funny. People who I know argue on the internet were both giving me money to do something that they both wanted to be a part of, and yep. that thing that they wanted to be a part of was to give back. Simply put, not to any particular party or cause or whatever, just to give to those who they know needed it. Hmm. And that's again a shift. That's when you start to realize that if you really do come with love, truly unconditional love, not judgmental. Not left, right, center, you know, any of that. Just coming with, with we're all here together. We're all in this together. Let's, we need to figure it out and treat each other with respect and dignity. People respond to that, you know? It's, it's interesting you say that. It makes me think about how uh, so, so often we find a lot of politicians who are like very virulently against some, some, subject some topic all of the all of the folks who are anti-lgbt for example mm-hmm. except suddenly uh like i think about um dick cheney dick cheney exactly <laughs> right. who is very anti-lgbt until his daughter comes out right and now he's in support of the gay community hmm. um, oh is he or he's like he's changed his stance sure. significantly because Absolutely. now there's now there's a face to the community and right. for you those folks who are who are it's christian bale um, well, it's a Christian bailout. Right. Sure. <laughs> um, and speaking of dicks and Dick Cheney. Oh, God. <laughs> shout out to dicks. We have Troy sitting down with us. Um, yeah. And I'm really happy that you are able to join us at the table. Yep. We were uh, just discussing Dick Cheney. We were. Yes. Yeah. We were. Talk about big dicks. Richard. Awful. <laughs> so the thing that I think is really interesting, though, when we're talking about the conservative communities, you see this all the time, right? Mm-hmm. It's easy for them to other people, yeah, and to say you're a stranger. I don't. don't have to we care all about do that. You. We do, of course. I, but I don't know that we do it with the same passion and conviction. Like literally, you're convicted to hell as yeah. Christians, right? It's it's. I think I think this is part of the ego, right? The the we all have one. Um, it's a device of, of, say, consciousness as it evolves through our species. And part of that is we are feeling that we're separate. And that separation takes a different frame. You might feel like you're separate and, and endorse diversity and want to have multiculturalism as a part of your life because that's what you appreciate. You might think you're different and they're different and they're competing with me. And we're, you know, so it's a frame, I think, that we're all we're all working through actually. I I agree. I think too that when it can be codified in a book Mm -hmm. of such powerful spiritual and, you know, everlasting life, like Mm -hmm. you, you, there's a lot at stake there. Yeah. I think that you can sometimes conflate that with, with the commandments. You've got this mission from God Mm -hmm. that you're mixing up with your personal disdain or or maybe actually even maybe your personal shame do you read hedges chris hedges no 
Oh, you guys, anybody here? No. Hedges? No. Chris Hedges? No, and we're in the left here? I we, smoked a Benson what and the Hedges hell is going once. On? G- give me a minute and I'm going to look him up. Wow. Yes. I can't believe I'm putting on Better Left Podcast to Chris Hedges. This is incredible. I love it. Do you I'm guys so read so Truth so Dig? No. Truth Dick? Truth Dig. Oh, Dig. Close. I, <laughs> I don't, but I'm about to start. Yeah. Okay. Well, educate us, Jesus. He wrote a book. Teach me. He wrote a book. <laughs> I didn't read the book, but I've listened to a lot of his lectures and listened to him. He's a huge, he's Shama's friend. Um, he used to work for the Washington Post or the New York Times. I don't know. One of the big presses. And he was a war correspondent, uh, Sarajevo, Iraq. Um, yeah. Came back and then basically got fired because he was like, I'm going to tell the truth. Uh, part of his mission has been like the protracted, de- analyzing the protracted decline of American empire and the end stage capitalistic kind of mm. world that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of his books is about. Uh, the the conservative Christian right, particularly in the South, mm-hmm. and how essentially it's not a religion, really. Like it's it's yeah. so it's so foreign from you know a spiritual practice that mm. it's it's really more of an ideology, and that ideology is really wrapped around the complexity of what neoliberalism did to these communities. How all of a sudden, you know, white supremacy is indoctrinated to you from a young age. So you feel like you should be ahead of the game here, and all of a sudden you got no jobs, and you're not educated, and so yeah. you have an opioid crisis. And then right. these people have to believe in a magical, fictional thing. You know, it's a form of escapism and, and ideology that empowers them because they've been disempowered while being taught they should be the most empowered. Right? Can I can I ask just a quick question? So, uh, as I was listening to you speaking, I also. Honestly, like I just pulled up uh, Overdrive so that I could find a book by Chris Hedges. Uh-huh. Do you, what do you recommend? Okay. Well, I would read his latest book. And again, I haven't really read most of his books, but I really listened. You know what I would do? I would listen to a lot of his lectures. He's oh, yeah. a brilliant speaker. Um, he, he's, a, he's, also, he's also a pastor or whatever he's a he's a he's a pre you know he's a pastor <laughs> he's he's pa- pastor god i don't know pastor pasteurized pastured he's pasteurized he's pasteur incarnate yeah, exactly um sorry um what was that was that the thunderstorm toilet okay. that sounds like a plumbing shower sorry that was my dad talking the the holy shower yeah the Um, holy shower the holy water i would listen to his lectures he's he's got brilliant um things to say but the last one is called america farewell farewell tour and what he does is he tours parts of america that have essentially are have already collapsed so yeah you know these working class towns the majority of a lot of these trump areas you know we we it's easy i think in the city to pick on folks whose experiences we don't really know. Like for example, that new for time with the local election, right? And how some of these ballot initiatives were just like so stark. Like we're literally yeah. an island in a sea of red. Mm-hmm. Um, matter of fact, when 2016 happened, when they were starting to call states, there was a moment when Washington was purple. Yeah. And I was like, oh my Whoa. fucking dad, this is insane. <laughs> um, I better come back for this. What in the name of me is going Right, on. exactly. <laughs> me, H, me. I better come back to fix this shit. Um, flips table and makes Walks a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Damn <Exactly>. Romans. <laughs> right. You guys have upped your game here a little bit. Well, yeah. I, w- I want to jump in on this idea that, because I believe this as well. So I grew up as a, uh, I grew up in a rural area of Washington. Oh, cool. Uh, what part? Uh, Sumner. Born in Puyallup. It's a beautiful state. Uh, the entire state is beautiful. <laughs> Sumner's a beautiful city. Mm. A beauty that I was able to 
recognized later in life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because as a mm-hmm. kid, it was actually pretty awful. Sure. Um, and, and not for the reasons that you think, but because, uh, you know, there were many people who uh, just couldn't afford to live and sure, no yeah. matter how much work my mother did you know and and uh, my my father being sort of the the hippie boomer that just didn't quite okay understand. boomer sorry oh, okay man. boomers <laughs> i but won't meme you yeah. he just didn't quite get what all this meant for him it was right. just like free love right. but no consequences no responsibilities and you know it created this really interesting space for me to understand what it means to grow up in a rural area with mm-hmm. hillbillies. Um, you know, uh, they are working very hard. Mm-hmm. They are faced with a ever shifting kind of uh, uh, focus on you're wrong. Mm-hmm. You, you're saying the wrong thing. You're doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I was a shit as a child. Mm-hmm. I was definitely like, I was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the what I would do is walk around wearing my, um, you know, uh, communist uh, shirt and I <laughs> would, you know, uh, hand smashing things windows. out. And not smashing any windows. I just smashed their brains. And it was a Che Guevara shirt, I'm hoping. No, it was just the, you know, the hammer and sickle. And, oh, naturally. Yeah, yeah. give it to him. Bright red with the, you know. <laughs> Yellow. And, yeah. and my my uncle would wear the, you know, uh, USSR sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> we were talking a while ago. Um, but the, the thing that I was able to, I'm able to look back on growing up in that space. What you said, I think, is something that we as progressives and certainly as liberal folk, mm-hmm. the neoliberal class has absolutely 100% mm. forsaken mm-hmm. the working class. Oh my, mm. oh my God. So Inner city working class, uh, working class in the, um, uh, in our neighborhoods. They deserted everybody but themselves. And, the, and that's these the issue. people yeah. in misery were left to their opioid addictions. They were left to their, uh, to their anger because they don't know why this happened and, and vilified for that. Um, uh, made to feel stupid. They're not stupid people. Um, they are angry and they are frustrated. And then when it came time for us to do the work, they became the flyover states. Yep. Mm. And we ignored them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. and I think we are reaping the rewards, which is yeah. further division, further anger. Now, I'm not saying it is acceptable for someone to be violent sure. against another person just because. Mm-hmm. But we do, as a society, need to take some responsibility for leaving people out to dry. We're not going to improve until we do. Exactly. We're not going to go anywhere until we take that responsibility. And we're not going to go anywhere until we start to live every day in the convictions that we fight for, for everyone. Right. Yeah, and I think this is the thing that people forget about the original New Deal was that a big part of it was highways to rural areas. A big part of it was bringing electricity to places that didn't have electricity and lifting everybody up. Right. And, you know, you were like you were talking about earlier, Jesus, you know, when you actually care about others in the same way that you care about yourself, that's when we're truly getting to that prosperity, right? And I feel like that's the thing that we've forgotten. Uh, Even though I kept saying that. <laughs> you really nope. did, and it it's couldn't have been more clear. No, nobody yeah. likes, listen, they just wanted to talk about you. Yeah. yeah. They wanted the wine. It's, it was all for the wine. Right, yeah. And then when you didn't produce, they 
Wine? What'd they do? They wine. They wine. They, they, wine. Wine. they murdered me. Something that's interesting about the religious piece too is I think oftentimes people will use that to hide their their rage and their anger for feeling like they're attacked. And there are many people in my family that when I came out as gay to my stepfather, uh, his uh, he's Kenny. Uh, he has since passed, but he is what I would call a good man. He loved my brother and I. He really, he'd always say, I'm not your dad. I'm not trying to be your dad, but I just want to say I couldn't be more proud. And he was just a good man. And when I said, when I came out to him, it was always kind of a weird thing because my mom would be like, that's a conversation for you to have with him. And I respected that definitely. Um, But I didn't know what to expect. And when I finally did, it was Christmas time. And he looks at me and he's kind of, I can see he's kind of shook. And he says, "Um, I'm so sorry. And I'm thinking, oh God, why? Why are you sorry? And he said, if I've ever said anything to make you feel like you weren't important, I really apologize. Because mm. when I was younger, I, you know, when I first came into your life, I was, I was young. And you and your brother taught me things. And it was one of those moments where I was like, that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Love. Like you really have that conversation. That is it's upsetting to know that that's a luxury that I, I will also say there are other people in my family that weren't quite as nice. You know, um, those people are now dead. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) I know I saw them. Yes. Yeah. I helped them out. Oh, I didn't think they'd be coming your way. Yeah. I forgive, man. But Jesus doesn't forget. Yeah. That's right. Bible two. (laughs) The Bible league. But yeah, it, that, that kind of stuff is really, um, I think we forget too as progressives. We're like Medicare for all and, you know, uh, forgive student debt. And then you hear a story about these old guys are paying for college and it's $10 a credit. And everyone's like, what? Those boomers, you know, die in a fire or jump in a volcano. But no, we mean for everyone. Um, Can I, can I ask no. Oh, damn it. Not again. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, uh, Troy's story just now about coming out to his parents makes me wonder, um, did you come out to your parents as Jesus? Um, How was that received? They found out later. <laughs> I think it, my parents, I'm, I'm blessed with the best parents in the world, I swear. Um, that's... A challenge I would, that one. I would I would say that's probably that was that's probably mom. the biggest reason of any of the good things that I've done mm. is because of my parents. They're incredibly accepting and open people. Um when they saw it, they were just like, Okay, go for it. I mean, you know, do your thing. We trust that you're not gonna do anything wrong. Matter of fact, they share it with my aunties on email and send it and like, Oh look, Jamil's in the he did this. You know, and, and, you know, the thing is, is that it's kind of hard to dislike, really. Like, um, it's not like I'm really coming at anybody in an aggravated way. Yeah. You know, I'm really yeah. kind of doing it in a satirical and almost transcendental way. Like I said, when I donned that thing, that costume, the Josh Doom, as I like to call it, <laughs> um, people treat me different and I see them differently and I start to understand who they may really be. But if anything, I really understand is who I was before I took the, that frame away, um, so they support. They they they're just like, yeah, yeah, of course you're doing something crazy, kid. I want to ask you something about that because mm. one of the moments I 
the first uh your first foray into that that I saw was mm-hmm. you know Jesus goes to pride yeah and it was actually genuinely charming and yeah. it was sweet and it was it wasn't even to the people who were you know uh there to to you know tell everyone they're going to hell right um you were warm you were you you didn't attack you didn't you know uh we need more of that I think so. I think, I think, you know, just kind of like what I was saying earlier, right? Like they don't know how to respond when you're not trying to attack them. And see, there was, there was moments where I'm actually trying to talk to them and they would leave. And I'm like, no, dude, wait, I'm here. You've been waiting all this time. It, It amazed me. It showed me something that was like, they didn't, they weren't there to get in with you and you weren't there to shame them or, no. or, or to be a caricature of, of a valued, you know, symbol and, right. and, uh, historical figure, I guess. I mean, you sure. know, here you are. Why not? Mythical God. Sure. Why right. not? Yeah. that's kind of where I land on things, but, um, but they did just walk away and I'm not right. as someone who has seen those people and I've taken many different sort of approaches, mm-hmm. um, at first being like, and getting right. in their face and then later just being like please wait until this train passes and stop <laughs> screaming into this bullhorn right, at, right, at right. Fest. I literally someone was about to be run over by a train but yeah. that that to me showed a moment of like wait a minute we're doing this wrong we're yeah. really doing it wrong I, there's a lot of like I said earlier the, I've been organizing doing community organizing activist actions for most of my life um and so I know a lot of the organizers and people in the community. And when I started doing this and the response was so drastically different, they were like, what are, we? you know, at least some of them were like, maybe I've been doing this wrong, you know, uh, maybe we've been approaching this wrong. And I think that's such a great, that's such a great takeaway from this is that you can, you can really, I mean, it, it, to me, it, the, when I walked up to those folks, the, the, the Bible sign. Yeah. Um, I I can see the scene in my head right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. When I when I did that, and I intended to do that, I didn't know what the response was going to be, but I intended to do that. What I noticed, it, it's it's it was almost like I was a repellent, okay, and they would just disperse. I wouldn't even have to do anything. I, I literally could just stand there, and they would just leave. And what I realized was, it's almost like you know, water and oil don't mix, man. Yeah. And if I'm coming with a super high positive loving vibe at a super high positive loving event yeah and you're not and here i am at almost the mascot of that whole vibe right going up to you and you're talking about me the only thing you can do is dip right you got to get up out or of there to do a debate with you're you know your mascot me yeah it's it's and i'm like we can do it i'm sure but you don't want to you know they don't want to be on my podcast. I do like that you didn't turn the crowd on them either. You didn't never you that. didn't incite. Never, that you wouldn't didn't. that wouldn't be what Jesus would do, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You know. Well, I do have one question for you, and it's about a story yeah. you told us earlier tonight before we were recording. Yeah. Um, about what Jesus did, mm-hmm. and you you picked up a sign. Can you tell me that story one more time? Because it's oh about, right about no. Sarah. Yeah. Wow. And so yes, yeah, so uh, Adam Smith who. I think when Adam and Sarah were running against each other, and this is in my this is my congressional yeah. district, right? I love Pramila; she's awesome. Um, but I I'm repped by Adam Smith, 
And, you know, I think like I had just read that he, he signed off on the $700 billion Trump military deal. Yep. I just heard that shit. And I was well, like, coming and, back and, to me. And, and there was some folks right where I live on Mount Baker, Artist Lofts is right on Rainier and MLK, and it's a major turning point. So he had a couple kids, actually, they were high school kids or whatever, with Adam Seinsmith's signs. And I'm like, and, I'm th- and here's the thing when I think about those folks is that, like, you don't live here. Okay, you you just came here to do that. The majority of the community here, if you were to actually engage with them politically and see where they were, who are they actually going to side with, right? right. They're going to side with the grassroots candidate yep. because they're going through a lot of these challenges that these candidates are supporting. So I saw them all there, about four or five of them there, and I was like, well, let me hit the f- telephone booth. I got on my Josh doom. <laughs> I, got, I got on my Jesus Christ costume. And I pulled a Sarah Smith sign that was um, on the ground, and I just stood in front of him and just waved the sign in front of him. And it, oh, and here's what's funny is that it looked. And this, this was great about this character because I really stuck out and I was in the middle. Her sign was green. Yeah. And yeah. Their sign was blue. Yeah. And it all said Smith on it. I started making them look like they were supporting Sarah Smith. You know. And and then they dipped. <laughs> then they left. So I was like, man, this guy's great. I just it, need it, you to follow evil wherever they just may take go. Me to I hell mean, those kids, I'm you. sure, were paid well. I love it no. because you did exactly what we intended to do. So I'm going to reveal a little. I was the campaign manager. Okay? Oh, right on. Wait, you were? Yeah, I know. It was shocking. Um, so what you're describing is old signs that just had Smith and big text. Right. We intentionally put the Sarah text in big or just big text kind of asking that. for it, Adam. And then we'd put it right next to his signs. Right. So that way it would read Sarah Smith. Yeah. So after the primary, you'll notice that his signs changed. Right. So that Smith was smaller. It was Adam beautiful. Was it was absolutely beautiful. It was hilarious. So good. Uh, yeah. And yeah. We got him a couple times. And the yeah. second thing that made me laugh about this is you confirmed a theory of mine, mm-hmm. which was that the sign was on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that people were pulling them? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't oh, know actually. Okay, I don't wait, know. No, if it might have been. Did you pull it off an H bar? No, did... I pulled it off an H bar. Oh, okay, because okay. yeah. that's because I, I kind of. I, I actually like stole some... it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was like, what you know what? Steal? I forgive myself already for this because I know what I'm doing here. I do believe that the act of standing there and being, you know, Jesus waving a sign. I got and... way more honks. Tell you yeah. that. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to edit. Yeah. Everything that was going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> I'm just Jesus thinking, Christ. as you described, as What's you that? described it, I thought and you said you said you went into a phone booth. I'm imagining you just like spinning around super fast, coming out looking like Jesus. Well, that's funny. And, I saw the Wonder Woman thing too. He yeah. was talking Superman, but yeah. I, I would yeah. just be dun 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 dun. it's kind of basically that. <laughs> yeah. It's so much that. we asked this question at the end of all of our interviews, which okay. is simply this. Um, we covered a lot of subjects today mm, and we, did. we don't always cover everything that maybe you wanted it's to been talk 2, about. It's 2000 years. So, you know, yeah. Catch, catch, so, catching me up on some stuff. This <laughs> is, this is your chance. Like if there was one thing that you wanted to talk about tonight that we didn't talk about, mm. this is your chance to talk about it. Wow. What would it be? This is the most brilliant podcast question. Really. You can give somebody, I think, because yeah, then you your, let them kind of, it's your pulpit brother. You're right? yeah. Yeah. We're just um, <laughs> Jesus has never given a sermon before. Yeah, uh, it's been a while. Like so I get, said, you know, what what would I what what was the question? <laughs> the yeah. question is what I could speak about. If yeah, I, what, no, what, no. what's on your mind? Like what's what you on got? my mind? Yeah. If there was yeah. one thing that we didn't talk about tonight that you really wanted to cover, 
Can you give me a second? And, yeah, okay. of course, Josh. Through the magic of editing, we can make it as right. long as you want. Jake, can right. I ask you a favor as Jesus is thinking about this? What do Josh. you think mana tastes like? Like mana was, from heaven? It's is probably it, heavenly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, is it okay. like... Okay. Sorry. Whoops. Yeah, it does taste like heaven. Ah, nice. Yes. I heard it tasted pretty nice. bland. Probably like angel food cake. Oh, okay. Which okay. also tastes pretty bland. My thing yeah. just changed. Wow, crazy. Oop. Okay, no, that's fine. What would we do before? Oh, so <laughs> so how, can I can I do like you can do five both. each? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, part of my journey has been learning about spiritual stuff, right? Um, and that goes from reading the prophecies of indigenous elders and people in indigenous to where I am from in the world. In fact, um, to, to, you know, people like Chris Hedges who have this really engaged understanding of the world and, and their political, political lens is almost spiritual in a way. And it's kind of transcendental in a lot of ways. Um, but the thing that one of the things that really I still study and really is important and powerful to me is near death experiences. Yeah. I've been, listening to ians which is the these are different groups nde groups and and for people who don't know near-death experiences is like when you actually literally flatline um but your consciousness goes somewhere else and you get revived and there's a story that you tell about where they can account for their time they can account for their time and they can account for a lot of other things too so my mom was diagnosed with cancer a few years ago um she beat it so thank my dad praise for that. jesus that's right was all her on on that part but um she discovered this video of this woman named anita morjani who had a near-death experience she had uh, stage four lymphatic cancer she literally died of cancer had a near-death experience and came back and her cancer she's one of those few immediate remission miracle cases they don't know how to explain it but her cancer was gone in like a matter of a few days and she walked out and now she gives lectures around the world this is all medical proof so it's yeah like, it's yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. documented anita morjani is her name wow and so i got me on the the study of near-death experiences and i've talked to folks and i've interviewed folks and just really engaged in what it means and they no matter who they are race gender place of the world age that they were at when this happened it's almost all the same experience and this experience is so profound the commonalities that you know there there is a light that we all emanate from that we're basically kind of like a like a figment of our own imagination in a way and that when we pass over to this more etheric realm or spiritual realm we realize what we really are and what we're really made of and what we were really here to do which is to love right everybody yeah and that all of the division is actually set up as a testing ground to see how well you will love um and the ones who are and and that this school called earth has a level of grades and someone's a kindergartner like your donald trump and someone who (laughs) has given everything in their life to, to to love everybody is a phd student you know and that spirit or soul and so basically when i started learning about these things i started to really understand what was valuable and what was really necessary while i'm alive um and i think that's important because it transcends politics yeah it transcends hatred and division it even transcends form itself because when you realize that there's a there's an essential energy within all of the forms that we all intuitively know that we're all connected here 
um, and that all of these divisions and challenges are actually testing us to mature spiritually, to love and accept each other for who mm-hmm. we are, um, then then we can go to the next level, right? Um, it's it's not about beating a side. It's about realizing that we're we're all in this together and learning from different perspectives to meet in the middle at some point, you know? Yeah. So that was one of them. I don't know if you want to let me do the other one. I do. I want to hear yeah, it. I'm and, interested. Okay. Yeah, I will just say that yeah. is very, very similar to an ancient philosopher named Plotinus. He actually had a term called paralampsis. And that means those who walk in the light. Mm. Uh, well, it means the light walkers more specifically. But yeah, you but can look it up. You've met people who are deep in their spirituality that... Yeah. Uh, that maybe a uh, different than you like for instance i i'm not i don't believe in god um i don't i don't even want to say i'm an atheist i just don't think about it um but i've met people who are christians and they're so in the light like they're warm they're there's not a friction it's you know you can feel that about them um and then you know i've met people who are supposed to be progressives and supposed to be, you know, part of what makes us want, you know, fighting for everyone. And they're as evil as anyone I've met, sure. you know, so it's interesting. It's a frequency. It's an energy, right? Yes, I think I yes. think what it is is like it's not the religion and, and, and all of these kind of identities that we've socially created. They're just filters. But what kind of comes from within is really what's being emanated you know, you can meet a Christian and they can be loving. You can meet a Christian and they can be hating. You can meet any group of anybody anywhere in the world and you will have a variety of how they're expressed and how they express themselves because it's really not about the group. The group is a fiction. It's about the 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 entity, the spiritual per, the spiritual being of the individual and where they are. Um, and that religion is just a tool for them to express that, you know. Um, I love Sufi... Um, Sufi, it's kind of like the, the, the where, place that yeah. I come from in the world is heavily steeped in Sufi tradition because Hinduism and Islam had to find a medium there. Um, and Sufi culture in South Asia, it's worldwide, but Sufi culture in South Asia particularly um, is kind of my background actually, uh, which is different from some of the more conservative, hardline, Wahhabi, Islamic yeah. um, practices, right? And so to me, it's like, well, it's the same words from the same book about from the right. same person. Mm-hmm. So it's not the form. It's it's what's coming out of the form. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's, you know, that's, I think, what we're learning, actually, as a as a collective. So I'm very curious. Um, yeah. By the way, anybody who hasn't should go read Conference of the Birds uh, mm, about okay. Sufi mysticism. It's a fantastic. I love book, that. But it's about, yeah. but it's a lot of poetry. Um mm. Anyway, what was the second thing? Oh, the second thing is important. So, so just to connect the dots about the NDEs and kind of realizing, you know, greater purpose and stuff like that. Um, one of the guys that I read, and he's kind of famous in the community. He's been interviewed by Oprah and all of this kind of stuff. He died in the '80s, um, and then was came back and had an experience, and and he was an atheist actually. He was an atheist painter from Kentucky. Um, he hated. Um, everybody apparently and he said he went to hell um and it wasn't because of of any religion or it is not it's not about that it was the type of person that he was he was a very vicious and awful person right um and he realized he had a life review this is a commonality with a lot of the ndes is that they say 
you view your life again, but you experience all of these key experiences from all the frames. So you get to feel, if you were bullied to somebody, you get to feel that experience again, but also how the other person felt. So you feel it. And we're talking about, this is a universal and like cross-cultural, cross-time, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's it's a, it's a human experience. It is. Shared human yeah. experience. Yeah. What happens after this? Um, you know, isn't that important to think considering you know you only have a temporary amount of time here, right? Yeah. So so considering that, so one of the things is that some of these NDE folks, some of them, very few, have a vision of the future of the United States. And what I started to put together, like true detective, you know, yeah, yeah. was I was like, wait a minute, they're all saying the same things different people and then i started seeing that a lot of the indigenous prophecies of the tribes of turtle island the land that we're on a lot of them said the similar stuff and and then i was looking at what was going on politically trajectory wise and the the thing that i'm actually trying to say here is this we're at the end of an evolutionary stage the the world that we're living in now is an expression of a dying of an old state of consciousness um, that's why you're having upheaval everywhere. That's why you're having even the planet in a sense of upheaval through climate change and things of this nature. Essentially, we as a planet and as a organism collectively together are mm-hmm. purging ourselves, so to speak, of an old state of consciousness and emerging into a more, you know, the new earth, a new heaven and a new earth, so to speak. And what I realized from learning about those is that there's very tangible things that all of them speak about, about what this new earth is like. And I think it's important for us to consider because we're on the verge or precipice possibly of of trying to usher ourselves and transition into that. And as people who are politically activated in our communities and with, it's only going to get more intense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that what does that mean? Are we going to just wait and fight and duke it out in the streets and hope that the right side whoever that side is wins i mean and the reality is is that this whole system is unsustainable it cannot function it cannot work and no we cannot take it over and make it right because there's nothing right about it it's Mm. it's it's so wasteful it's there's so the new earth that these folks are envisioning are people living in nature living simply growing their own food um humbly and the the whole the whole chase for materialism and that has been transcended and we've kind of come together as one organism so to speak and really live that so i say that to to say that a lot of the work that i do now is about permaculture it's about urban gardening it's about creating community i believe creating local hyper local sustainable community is the foundation of the future of our species. That is how we're going to live. That's how we're going to feed each other. That's how we're going to redeem what we've done to the planet. That's how we're going to take back our role as stewards of the planet. And I see where we're going. Like, you know, 10 years ago, I was in the streets and no one was there. Now everyone's there and I'm looking at them and I'm like, I'm out the streets and I'm on the farm. So I'm looking at what the trajectory is and I'm like, I can't engage in this mudslinging on the internet and this nonsensical division of the left and the right and the this and the that and in the left there's a division in the left and in the right there's a, and then all of these divisions are just again i think they're it's a purging you talk about how one energy is not the same uh progressive can be evil so to yeah, speak yeah because 
it's not about the division, right? You right. can be toxically progressive. Yes. Right? You can be like, you know, oh, I, I, I got to have my way about it. Right. But what I'm seeing is that we have to transcend that and really live in love for each other and specifically for this planet, you know? You've spoken um, using several terms and phrases that actually, as part of what we've done here with podcasts and the thing that is a, uh, an outgrowth of our work together on a campaign that really moved us and we met people that you know permaculture is a theme and and uh we had uh dar jamail on spoke like oh really like, yeah he's like yeah. we're wow. he's like i'm planting i'm growing mm -hmm. i'm gardening yeah um, yeah he knows what's up one thing uh that i want to say to you um and and i know that we don't have all the time in the world but um i heard what you said i i feel it i i think that there are moments where people are like okay, there's something about this that sounds truthy, but I don't want to, you know, or I don't know, I don't have the words. But the reality is when you do look into these things, what you just described is no more off the wall than anything we've been taught right. about spirituality, religion, or even like just 100% religion-free human existence sure. and you said the one thing and i kept thinking in my mind it's like it's like an organism mm -hmm. we're a part of this larger piece and the moment that we say i'm exactly where i need to be when i need to be and who i need to be mm -hmm. and that you know you look at the cascadia movement and you look at people who are hungry for to, they want to know their neighbors they they want to be there for people who are marginalized it's, it's awakening within us yeah, right now yeah well, I think this has been a really fun interview, Thank and you. I'm it's sorry to awesome. I'm sorry that we were having to end it. Actually, that's um, all good. Man. We have to have you back and and have more. I would love to. It. Yeah. Can I end on one thing? Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. So so, I'm evolving as an artist. Um, I, I rap. You have a musical. To my SoundCloud. Um, <laughs> Throw it out. <laughs> no, the 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 the. That's funny because we were talking about doing the Jesus thing as a musical, which would be hilarious. Oh my god, I'd pay for that. But uh, I think a lot of people would. But um, right now, my medium is film. Um, I yeah. co-own a film company called Indie Genius Media. Nice. Um, located in the south south end. Here we have an office at the Art Lofts, and I've kind of like you know. I'm always going to be involved in community work, specifically with my neighbors, because I feel that's the more important stuff, the most important stuff. But what I've realized is that with film, we can tell these stories in a way that inspires the change without telling people what to do yeah. and acting overly preachy by just demonstrating it through characters, yeah. getting people invested in the the vulnerability of a human being, learning about it like they would. Mm -hmm. So basically, I'm using film as a form of changing the world that's the way i feel that i can do it the best i love the medium and it's something that i have a passion for so so i think there's multiple ways of going about this you know um and none of them are wrong or right it's just about what feels right to you you could be sweeping the ground in your own house and be doing incredible work right. just by how you are doing it you could be jesus christ leading the march and not really you know it could be something you know, but it was how I did it. That's why it was important. There's know? something there. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, do you have any big films coming out? Anything you want to plug? No, no, no. I will. You know, if 
folks are in the Seattle area always need a video and film services. We are for hire company, so we're you know right we, sh- we shoot stuff for folks. We do a lot of community videos, um, and a lot of it is cultural, re- culturally related to preserve what we're losing in this massive kind of development surge, especially in Seattle, especially in South Seattle. A lot of mm-hmm. immigrants, refugee communities. We're trying to collect that story. So you know, just you know, be on the lookout for what we're bringing. Um, we're telling important stories. We're trying to show them in a beautiful way um, so people will engage and maybe learn to to give back and express themselves in their own way. I think that's phenomenal. How do we find you? Uh, yeah. Where do we go? So you can find me online at Jamil Suleiman on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. When in um, doubt, search for Jamil Suleiman. Or you can, Seattle Jesus. If you, you'll ha- find if you hashtag Jesus in Seattle, you'll definitely yeah. find a lot of the Jesus stuff. Um, and Indie Genius Media is our company. And, nice. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Uh, again, yeah. thank you so much for joining yeah. us. Thank yeah. you. Thanks um, so much. Thank you. I find it very humorous and ironic that <laughs> Jesus in Seattle is fascinated with near-death experiences. Right. I just want to say that before we end. Um, (laughs) Thanks for the work you're doing. I really do appreciate it. I'll see you. What a twist. I'll see you on the other side. (laughs) Thanks a lot. back again. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot. Peace. Um, For anybody still listening, just keep in mind we will be doing some additional Seattle election breakdowns next week, uh, and we'll be trying to hopefully have some certified results, or at least close to certified by then. And this will be fun, so... Here's hoping, crossing our fingers for Shaman and Sean. Let's go let it Shaman, happen. Go Sean. And for all that is holy, Jesus, prevent Tim Iman's initiative from going through. Oh, Let me send a word up to my dad and see what we yeah, can do. Yeah, just a bolt right. of lightning or something. Can he choke <laughs> on a Eucharist? That's that's Thor. Isn't that Thor? Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks a lot. That's good stuff. I, I honestly like wasn't sure what to gone. Don't be caught up in a flurry. But, but, Only got well, 20 I, bucks I in an hour. Don't worry. This song will teach you how to cook the curry in a hurry. First off, before you hit the store and whatnot, figure out how you want it. Mild, medium, hot, cause that there is a big ass decision. So is vegetarian beef, fish, chicken. Got my mind up on my meat, got meat up on my mind. Only got a few bucks, find the cheapest I can find. Organic too much, ain't nothing you can do until you got a better job. Well, that's hormones for you. Move. Now move it down the line, grab a couple potatoes and tomatoes up off the vine. That's one big onion, some garlic and some ginger. Those three are gonna be the dream team for your dinner. Uh, a bell pepper, preferably a green one. Coconut milk, preferably the cheap one. Cilantro, sea salt, a dash of lemon, quantity and quality. Hey, yo, we all about to eat, son. Now listen up, cause this is like the dicey part Learn from my aunties that adding spices is an art Typically we get the clothes, coriander, cumin But that costs too much And there's no damn room in that grocery bag We can't afford all the fixings Just grab the garam masala cause it got all of them in it Now get ready to bounce But first you eat up all them samples For this cooking you gon' need some energy that's ample Now here's a little trick for the grocery store Grab a free cup of water, you'll be sampling more Head to the bulk section, sip the water, no ice Pour in your favorite snack cause you know it's overpriced now get home quick only got like a half or your auntie comes through and starts lecturing that ass got all of the ingredients don't even gotta worry verse three will teach them how to cook that curry in a hurry hurry in a hurry 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 in a hurry
grab the pan, put your butter on high. Chop the onion, garlic, ginger, and you let it all fry. Pouring coconut milk and lower it to medium. Add the meat, vegetables, and rest of the ingredients. Here's a trick. Turn up the heat like a DJ in the club. Gonna turn up the beat. Just be careful when you cook it. Not to boil it a lot. When them bubbles pop up, you gonna drop it like it's hot. And now you're coasting on low and let it simmer in about 15. You gonna have yourself some dinner. Clean up that mess, get ready, set the table. This one is for the books, like a Hindu fable. Now make it look good, add a little bit of garnish. Trick three, grab them leaves that you toss up in the garbage. Ten star status, like a restaurant in Surrey. Twenty bucks in one hour, that's your curry in a hurry.